Welcome to Meeting Malcolmus, a pavement podcast. Hey, it's JD here, back for another week on the bonus feed for all you completists out there. Here on the bonus feed, we weekly take a look at B-sides and content we don't get to on the main feed. It costs three bucks a month, and so I want to thank you for giving me that three bucks a month for you. It's a cup of coffee, but for me, it's a cup of coffee from you. So there's that. All right, this week, I've got a couple things I want to address before we get into uh, the main topic, the topic du jour. I sat down with Steve West, and I'm going to play that interview interspersed with a couple tracks from his new band, Unmastered Masters. The first track you're going to hear is a song called Evil K, and the second song is a song called Breath. They're both fucking tremendous. You should give them a listen, and then you should march over to Bandcamp to purchase said songs. I can tell you that um, we will be doing a contest. Um, Steve has graciously written me a trivia question, and he has provided a couple vinyl copies with downloads that uh, we'll be giving away. I'll do that on the main feed this coming week, and um, we'll go from there. So there's that. The last thing I want to say is you guys have all been wonderful and great to me. Uh, I want to share something that I've been working on outside of this pavement project. It's a Star Wars-based project, so if you're not into Star Wars, don't worry about it. That's totally cool. Basically, it's a dramatic reading of the Colin Trevorrow script for Episode Nine. I've cut it into nine episodes and made it into like a podcast. And I've included the trailer on the back end of this episode if you want to give it a listen. Um, I'd be really thrilled if you did and if you thought it was all right. So there's that. Let's get into this, though. Let's get into what we're here to really talk about, which is pavement. And uh, we got somebody that knows a little bit about them. He was the drummer from Crooked Rain On. This is Steve West on Meeting Malcolmus, the pavement podcast. Hey, J.D. Hey, Steve. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. How about you? Well, other than feeling a little, you know, embarrassed about my calendar snafu, uh, I'm pretty good, you know. Oh, no big deal. I I figured it might be that, and uh, I figured I'd just wait it out and see, and lo and behold, I got a text from you. <laughs> it worked out perfect. Yeah, well, you know... <laughs> um, I wasn't going to let this opportunity, you know, just go to, uh, to waste. Yeah. So, sure. yeah. <laughs> um, how are you doing? Um, I'm, we're doing fine here on the property. I, I live in Virginia near and uh, just outside of Lexington, Virginia. Oh, yeah. And we have a big old house and I have a, a recording studio nice. and I paint a little bit and uh, cut wood. We heat it with wood. Oh, wow. And there's about oh. nine acres, so there's plenty of grass to cut. Holy and uh, shit. gardening, we're doing gardening and uh, doing a lot of things that clean up around the property we haven't ever had time to do. Wow. So we're getting plenty of uh, fresh air as well as, you know, a big house to be in, too. So I haven't gotten bored yet. No, well, there's nothing but time right now. It's absolutely unreal how much time we suddenly have on our hands to do all these things. My cupboards have never been more organized. So, 
Uh, I mean, that's my wife's doing, but uh, nevertheless, you know, it's still a good thing to have done. Right? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it's just that my kids can't play outside with their friends as it's killing me. You know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, yeah. And uh, my kids are older, uh, 16 and 20. But I know for both of them, not seeing their friends face to face is really tough. Now, my son lives kind of in a virtual uh, gaming world <laughs> at night. So he is online with his buddies, but, you know, he doesn't, he was just starting to do a lot of like social going out with different people and doing, you know, doing stuff and he was driving and all of that cool. got cut short. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. He just started back working uh, oh, wow. just in the last couple of days um, at a takeout place. He does the dishes. So I know he's more excited to go and do the dishes <laughs> than he ever was. Yeah, I bet. I mean, you got to have that face to face time. It's so important, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's, it's so important. Yeah. So. Apparently, you're in a band. Well, you are in a band um, called... Yeah. Yeah, called, called uh, Pavement. Okay, sure. And Yeah, sure. And uh, sure, just this little band called Pavement, you know, no big deal. But um, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit off the top about what your experience was like uh, at the beginning. You know, you were, um, well, not an outsider because you knew Steve, but... You know, they had uh, an established drummer at this point, and you joined them around the time of Crooked Rain. It didn't look like Crooked Rain was going to happen with Gary, so they, you know, called out the uh, the uh, cavalry, and and lo and behold, you showed up, and things started to turn around. So I just wondered what your experience was like, you know, doing that initially. Well, you know, it was it was kind of just. Steven and I in New York, um, hanging out a lot, his girlfriend and my girlfriend, we hung out a lot between Steven's tours and we used to work together at the Whitney. Um, and we knew David Berman and he was my buddy and, uh, we all just kind of hung out a lot together. So when Gary quit and Steven approached me about playing it, you know, there wasn't any live shows, so it was more just like uh, he and I getting together and playing in my loft. And, uh, you know, he would run through the songs that ended up on being on Crooked Rain. And uh, it was so, I was so courted off from like all of the other part of Pavement, all the hype and all of the touring that had happened in the previous two or so years that that aspect was just like held there. I hadn't experienced that. And it was just me and him doing a thing and he was running the helm. And, uh, and, 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 and then Scott came along and, and we did a couple, I did a couple songs with Scott and that seemed to work out well. Cool. Um, we also played one live show that summer, I believe at uh, the drag city invitational in Chicago. And uh, that went well, even though we 
I don't think we'd practice for that at all. <laughs> and there was like a silver shoes thing. So, you know, I had learned some of the old songs, the great Gary songs. So, you know, we had to probably play 30 minutes or something. And we got through that. And um, I think we all drove back together to New York. Cool. And I got to know Scott a little bit better. And I knew uh, uh, Mark as well because he lived in New York. So I was kind of sheltered from that whole hype thing until, you know, Crooked Rain actually came out and we went on tour. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it, it made it easy for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, easier, I suppose. So when you and Steve were in New York cooking up um, the songs, how much did you end up bringing to the table in terms of what was, uh, you know, already fleshed out or... You know no, I, I think he had it pretty worked out because he had played a lot of the songs with uh, uh, the band or with Gary uh, uh, and they get, well, they were trying to make Gary's studio and roughly, you know, they could have gone on a little shorter, a little longer, or maybe added something. I don't, I don't really know, but um, I think he had the songs, at least the majority of them uh, written in his it. mind. And, you know, he would just play them with whoever, either Gary or I, and, um, and then they worked out to tend to be whatever they, they would be in the different <laughs> recordings. Right. So it wasn't like a big thing. Yeah, it turned out all right. I mean, you know, you always want to think, oh, I could oh, have yeah. done this better, I could have done that better. But, you know, it is what it is, and that's kind of how pavement worked. It was just like, let's go record these songs. And we'll take the best ones and put it together and not overthink it too much. Yeah, that's fair. But, I mean, you realize you just said, like, Crooked Rain, which is widely hailed as a masterpiece, you know, was, was um, you know, it was, uh, it was, over. it was all right. <laughs> we did our best. And, uh, yeah, I changed some things.
So Wowie Zowie is uh, 25 years old, and I just wondered if you wanted to talk about any particular stories or tales from the sessions in Easley, um, you know, for Wowie Zowie at all, if you had any. Yeah, uh, well, that year before we recorded it easily, what uh, was just like at least nine months of constant touring for Crooked Rain. And so, uh, you know, I'd say maybe a third of the songs that we ended up doing there, um, we had already played together live, you know, in one form or another. And so we had that down, and then we had a few songs that Stephen and and I did at, at the Walleye Studio in New York during the Crooked Rain. And then we had like another third that we kind of, um, you know, were writing on the spot. Got it. But the thing was, everybody was there for the first time, Bob and and uh, Mark and Scott, and uh, all playing along with the songs that we all knew, as well as kind of hashing out the new ones. And it was, um, it was good because... It was a little less pressure for me personally because there was other guys in the room besides just me and one dude. <laughs> and me trying to catch up with like him knowing he wrote the song and he knew where it was going and me trying to go, oh, okay, is that a chorus? Or him trying to sing to me, okay, we're coming to the chorus now. Oh, my God. So, you know, I, I enjoyed it. And that place was, was an amazing place, really sweet guys. Um, and we did some Silver Jews work there. And we did that Pacific trim there with just Bob and Steven and I. So All right. we really had some great times there. Um, it's sad that it burnt down. Oh, I. you know what? I don't think I even... Oh, shit. My memory is so bad. I did read that. Now that you say that, I remember reading that in the Wowie Zowie book. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's terrible. Um I can't believe I forgot that. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So, all right. Um, yeah. Uh, bad news there aside. You go. Bad news aside. Um, Wowie Zowie is a tour de force. It's, uh, I mean, it's 18 songs. And what was that process like of, um, you know, coming into the studio with, and there's so many B-sides as well. Um, there was a lot. There was yeah. a lot of songs to learn. Yes. So it was kind of, for me, it was kind of like when you when you record like that and you have the, the instruments separated, you like you have a big enough studio where you can have your bass kind of isolated okay. or your, uh, your second guitar, two guitars isolated. You know, the person that really has to kind of get it down is the drummer, and uh, the basic rhythm guitar track. And so for me, it was a marathon learning all those songs, even the ones we knew. Um, I remember just going, wow, here's another one. Oh, and now we got to do Scott songs. So it, it was, it was uh, a workout. Yeah. But like I said, everybody was there too. And there was kind of a, uh, we had toured so much and we knew each other so well after the Crooked Rain that um, everyone was having a good time, just playing and playing along and then coming back and fixing their parts and, you know, not getting too worked up about uh, a bad take and, and doing another take or just moving on to another song. Right. So it was kind of this very creative uh, feel with no, like, regrets. Um, so much like, don't get too hung up on 
you know, 10 songs because it ended up in like 18 or so songs plus out, you know, out. Yeah. All the B sides. And so, sorry. Um, yeah. I, I just wonder, you know, if all that touring really paid, you know, like paid dividends yeah. in that. Yeah. Way. I think we did. I mean, I, like I say, those, uh, crooked rain, that touring so much together, you know, uh, we were always kind of sloppy, but, um, you know, for a sloppy band, we were probably as tight as, we'd ever be uh emotionally and um also performing wise right yeah like after yeah i mean you're on the road for nine months and uh you just get to know one another you're jamming these songs out all the time and uh yeah that's uh that's really cool and it pays off i mean you hear it on the record the record is so all over the place but it's so cohesive at the same time if that makes any sense I just wonder if there's any specific songs that you want to, um, you know, talk talk to us about at all from that record that are memorable or, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, uh, you know, I can remember the Serpentine Pad, I remember getting really tired, like really slamming at it. And then you go into another father and it's like super groovy. Um, you just have to, you know, they can be taken on different times of the day or different days, and you just kind of go with the spirit of what you're kind of trying to create. And, you know, you have your punk spirit on that album. You have your country. Um, you have your, like, Pink Floyd grounded sounds. But yeah. grounded, I believe, was the take that we did in New York. But I can't verify that for sure. See, I'm not sure. Because we had played that live. A, a lot as a band, but I know Steven and, and I did a, a cover in uh, a version of it in New York. So I'm a little fuzzy on which one ended up on the album and uh, I should look through all the catalog. Maybe I could find that other version. It was supposed to be like a little bit faster or something. And I think he chose this one. So I'm not sure. There, there's a couple on there I know came from the New York sessions, Extradition, Best Friends Arm, um, and I believe AT&T, um, and Half a Canyon, I think, was too. I think Half a Canyon was. But, um, you know, whatever you can do to get it done, basically, I I think how we kind of looked like it. And then, you know, and, and, and it was, I think it was a kind of slightly conscious effort to not kind of go in the direction of, okay, now we're going to really polish everything up and be, you know, the next crooked ring, the thing that everyone, you know, the more commercial, which might've been expected from the different uh, uh, major labels that right. were distributing us or something. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, you you went in a different direction, and that's uh, it's ultimately it's a it's a good thing. Um, there are people out there that think that Wowie Zowie, you know, has a bit of a um, identity crisis because it's you know it's so spacious, it's all over the place. You mentioned earlier, you know, you've got different genres uh, peeking up and popping their heads up all, all over the place. I just wonder, you know, you had spent all this time on the road. And you had all these songs. Was there ever a discussion to do things differently, like just to do a tight twelve-song record, or was was it always going to be, you know, this three-sided, um, this three-sided epic, uh, you know, 
tour de force. Yeah, I think there was a lot of discussion of how long to make it. And there was, you know, there was, like you're saying, there were so many diverse songs and realizing that, you know, you're kind of making two records or three records. And how do we uh, put it all together? Do we chop it up and only do a few and then write some more songs that work with those? And I think in the end, uh, and it wasn't my decision at all. I think uh, Stephen and Scott were just like, let's put it all, let's put all eight, these 18 on and go for it and have it be kind of uh, disjointed, but it goes into its own little groove. Every little section has like a different month or a different season. Um, so I, and I think that they kind of figured that that's something they hadn't done on the previous two albums. And, uh, you know, one of the secrets of kind of having longevity of your of making records as a band is like making every record similar, but also different to see what, you know, what you can bring out in, in the group. Right. So I think they, they were able to do that. And, you know, we can chalk that one up to a little chaos, but pretty <laughs> brilliant, I think. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. I mean, uh, here we are 25 years later still talking about this this record in a really, you know, kind of fun, fun way, right? So I'll just come out and ask it. What is um, 
what's the deal with the with the uh reunion and primavera like i gotta yeah. think it doesn't yeah. look like it's gonna happen but i'm just curious if there's anything you can say yeah i don't know what's gonna happen with that and um i guess the powers that be way beyond above us We'll decide whether that's possible or not. Um, yeah, right. that that is, uh, I think, for everyone work-wise, it's frustrating because you know I think everybody in the band was looking forward to playing. Um, but we, uh, <laughs> we were know, too. <laughs> hopefully, um, it'll happen at a later date, and uh, we'll get to play those shows and uh, have the same experience just a little bit later. Get to practice a little bit more. I know everybody's <laughs> out there practicing in the band, getting ready. Oh, that's cool. They have an extra 12 months or however long <laughs> to be spot on. <laughs> it's going to be the tightest version of payment every, anybody's ever heard. That'd be, uh, that'd be far out. So, okay. So I've opened Pandora's box. So what about beyond Primavera? What about uh, a further reunion? Um, no, I don't know. You know, we, we were always a band that just kind of took everything as, as it comes and, I mean, I can't tell you if we're going to be playing uh, Primavera this uh, this fall or next year or whatever because you just you really don't know. And right, um, I, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny that uh, Spiral said to me early on one of my first conversations with him is he said that you know it used to be that you'd get a phone call from Stephen every six or seven months. Like, let's do this, guys. And, you know, the phone calls just started getting further and further apart. <laughs> yeah. I just always yeah. thought that was funny. <laughs> I know. And um, it's nice that he's uh, had another phone call. And then, unfortunately, this uh, world situation, coronavirus, has kind of put that at a delay. But, hey, there's much worse things that can happen. And oh um, I'm, yeah. I feel very fortunate. And I think uh, hopefully everybody in the band will come out of it uh, healthy and we'll be able to do something together oh, in the be, future that so. would be that would be amazing that's all anybody wants to hear is you know <laughs> pavement in the future right that's uh sort of our dream since 99 and uh, uh -huh. you know we've got it so that's really cool so i got a question from somebody on social and they were asking about marble valley uh if there's any more that we'll get from that uh, um i don't know about the valley i kind of started another band with a friend of mine um who used to be the oh. bass player in baronet uh, a very uh heavier rock band i don't know if you've heard of them but um and we made uh, made a record and we oh. played a couple shows and uh got a couple local guys here that are playing with us as a full band so I'm hoping to release something uh, again. We've got one thing on the band uh, camp. It's called Un the band is called Unmastered Masters. Oh, cool! Yeah, and uh, it's it's heavier, but yeah. it's fun at the same time. And uh, for Marble Valley, I'd love to go and do some shows with them, and who knows, maybe record with them again. It's just they're all in Europe, and it's hard uh... for us to get together and. Yeah, I didn't really know that. I guess, you know, I guess um I guess Marble Valley is more of like a more of like a like a collective than than a band in that way then. Like you connect and then you write and, you know, sort of in that way. Is that right. fair to say? That's kind of what we would do. 
um, I'd meet over in uh, England and Hull, and uh, we'd rehearse uh, for a week and then go and do a handful of shows. Ah. And uh, most of the guys were English, and then there was the Dutch. Uh, our sound man, Remco, uh, was in the band, and he, he kind of played a little bit of everything. So um, I miss those guys, and we haven't been able to get together for a while, but you never know. Maybe maybe in a year or so we'll be able to do something again if well, I start cool. traveling around. But in the meantime, fun. But in the meantime, we've got Unmastered Masters to uh, give a spin to. Yeah, check out the Unmastered Masters. I got a couple songs up there from the album. I just made it on a vinyl, and there's only like 150 copies. But um, oh. I'm working on another one, and we have two other members of the band now. We play we play live, so it's becoming a real full group. So. And, um, it's, so you handle vocals on yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. I write the songs and, and, and sing and but play drums at the same time. So it's cool. I'm still working on that delivery, but we played a couple <laughs> shows this uh December and it went well and we had fun and so we're looking forward to doing some more when when it's possible to do that kind of thing again. Oh, can't be soon enough, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. It's I just know. uh Um Yeah, we miss uh live music right it's just uh something that we liked i was supposed to go to two malcolmus concerts and they both got canceled so you know sure um i yeah i would love to come down south and uh check you guys out when you play that would be really a lot of fun well i can tell you that uh you know you guys are based on the podcast numbers you guys are still pretty relevant and still pretty popular scandinavia is uh, a country that uh really um wow yeah they uh uh check out the pod quite quite a lot like the scandinavian countries so that's pretty cool right i mean to be part of that is pretty neat yeah we played all of those places and so i guess it paid off we set right put down some seeds and they took now, we're very fortunate, and I enjoyed the podcast. I've listened to a few episodes, and it sounds great. So I really appreciate it. It's wow. very flattering. And um, oh I think it's, it's awesome that you're doing what you're doing. I, um, my favorite thing is to listen to different podcasts. So to find another one that has something to do with me is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I do a lot of masonry work. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, I do stone work and home uh, restoration and working on chimneys so you put on the headphones and you know you do something you love to do but you also have cool music to listen to and cool podcasts and you can't beat that no one that has something to do with yourself so <laughs> well it's been a real pleasure i want to thank you again for taking the time to uh thank you to join me today that's great uh so talk to you soon okay thanks again bye-bye bye Meeting Malcolmus, a pavement podcast, is a weekly affair. Connect with JD at JD at meetingmalchemist.com. Please support the pod by rating, reviewing, or sponsoring us at meetingmalchemist.com. And hey, I'm social. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Meeting Malchemus. Reveal yourself. You are no Skywalker. The people cling to folklore, but they fear the First Order. On Monday, May 11th, Dufra Podcasts and Such presents Duel of the Fates.
a nine-part audio series based on the alleged Connolly Trevorrow script. Oh, hey, 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 no, 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 no trouble here. Find the resistance. Wipe them out. Okay, trouble, trouble! Experience the excitement you expect. Can't it be easy? Just one time? Oh, Chewie, negotiate. Persuade. The characters you adore. Mortis is a myth. They fear me. Soon I will command the force in ways unseen since the ancients. They were afraid. Why were they afraid? Luke! Tell me! Why were they afraid? In a story you've never heard. What do you see, brother? I'm afraid our shields cannot withstand a super laser of this magnitude. Such.